0: Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. Today, I want you to think about a situation or decision that you might want some advice about. Maybe it's related to your job, a personal relationship, a decision you're struggling with, or perhaps even something really practical, like whether or not you should buy or sell something. Now I want you to think about someone in your life or experience that you feel doesn't really deliver or live up to their promises someone you don't really trust for whatever reason, would you take advice from them on the situation I just asked you about? Let me guess. That's a hard no. It certainly is for me. Well, it's the same at work. One of the most common complaints I hear from emerging HR practitioners, and sometimes the experienced ones, is that the managers they support don't include them in discussions about their operations and they either don't come to them for advice or they don't listen to the advice given. This, of course, makes you as the HR professional feel undervalued. It can also shatter your confidence and make you doubt your abilities. Now, there might be something wrong with your advice. I don't really know, of course, but what I do know is that a lot of managers will skip over their HR advisor Or ignore their advice because they haven't developed a sense of trust. Trust is a critical factor in any relationship and an essential competency for HR professionals to build if they want to be effective in their role and they want managers to listen to their guidance and direction. Now, the great news is that building trust in a relationship is something you can take immediate action on. And in today's episode, I'm going to share five ways that you can build trust with managers and leaders in your organization so that they will not only listen to your advice, they will seek you out to get it. If you're listening to this, I know you want to make a positive impact in your organization and that you see lots of opportunities to do so. So let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. I want to begin today by thanking you so much for being here and let you know that I really appreciate you being on this journey with me. I love hearing that this podcast is making a difference to emerging HR professionals and others that are seeking new job opportunities or career changes. Today, I want to thank a couple of listeners for reaching out to share. Suki listened to episode two, Shift Your Limiting Beliefs and Improve Your Job Search, and her feedback was, I needed this so much. Thank you so much, Melanie. Well, thank you so much, Suki, for sharing. And I'm glad that shifting your limiting beliefs is helping you with your job search. Naomi B. also left a comment on Podbean after listening to episode five Be Prepared and Ace the Interview. She says, Great advice. Thank you for sharing these simple yet effective steps. Thank you, Naomi, for sharing your comment. And I'm really glad that you found the advice practical. A huge thank you to both of you for listening and giving some feedback. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. If you have something to share about the HR Mentor, I'd love to hear from you. You can always leave a review on Apple Podcasts or through Podbean, which also has a great free app on Android and Apple devices. If you also want to check out the back episodes with show notes and links, you can view them all on my website at www.unicorngroup .ca/podcast Okay, let's get started with our topic today. Today is all about trust. For many people, the word trust is more closely associated with their personal relationships rather than their professional ones. I'm sure you can imagine what kind of behaviors you expect out of your partner or friends or family members so that they can demonstrate that they can be trusted. But when it comes to your work relationships, you may not have even considered the important role trust plays in accomplishing goals and delivering on organizational priorities. As HR professionals, we are given this responsibility for ensuring the effective, respectful, and legal management of what I personally believe are the organization's most valuable resources, people. We are also expected to achieve this outcome by way of organizational leaders and managers, people who may or may not agree with our perspectives, responsibilities, or our obligations. Yes, I've said it before, HR is complicated. But while our role can be complex and challenging, I believe that the ability to build trust with those leaders and managers can be the secret sauce to success in any HR role. Because when we trust people and their advice, we tend to listen to them. And when we don't, well, you know what happens. We avoid them at all costs. We ignore their advice. And in some cases, we even go out of our way to try and prove them wrong. None of which is particularly helpful in an organization. Now, you might say, well, Melanie, don't they know they can trust me? I was hired to provide advice and support. I have a degree slash diploma, etc. Why wouldn't they just listen to me? Yes, in a perfect world, that would be the case. But like any relationship, it takes time and trust is earned and it can be withdrawn. And if you are new to the organization, your role, or even just that particular manager, You're starting from a place of zero in your trust bank. So if you want to be effective in your role and help the organization succeed, you need to start working on ways to earn trust with the people you work with, especially the ones that need your advice and guidance. In his book, The Speed of Trust, Stephen Covey says this about trust. Contrary to what some people believe, trust is not some soft, elusive quality that you either have or you don't. Rather, trust is a pragmatic, tangible, actionable asset that you can create much faster than you probably think possible. I love that quote because one of the things that most people don't realize is that trust is something that you can build and you can take actionable steps and specific behaviors to help you build that trust so how do you do that well i'm glad you asked because i have five ways that i believe you can build trust with your client groups or managers and in fact in all your relationships the best news is you can work on these actions in any role and on a daily basis The even better news is that you don't really need anything except a willingness to work on yourself and a desire to build positive relationships in order to do these. So here are the five ways that I'm going to discuss. Number one, act with integrity. Number two, build your capabilities. Number three, demonstrate respect. Number four, be consistent. And number five, deliver results. So let's look at each one individually. The first one is act with integrity. There are a lot of interpretations of this word, and I think integrity can show up a little bit differently depending on how you define it. For some people, it's more related to ethics and morals, and for others, it's about honesty at all costs. But when I'm talking about integrity, I'm talking about behaving in accordance with your principles and values or the values and principles of your organization. Hopefully for your sake, you're working somewhere where there's alignment between the two. It means acting honestly by being true to who you are and behaving in alignment with that. When you act with integrity, People know what you believe, and they can expect you to take actions that align with it. For example, if your organization has a core value of service excellence, and they define this as providing the best possible service experience, you can deliver on this by responding to a manager or employee question as soon as possible. In this case, you're acting in integrity with this value. If you say you value collaboration, and let's say you talked about that in your interview, but you never actually seek input or guidance from anyone else, you're not really acting with integrity. Over my years, I've often heard people say, I always know where so-and-so stands when talking about another person. To me, that's a sign of integrity. So-and-so is acting in alignment with their beliefs and their principles. Integrity also shows up when you're true to your word. It goes a bit with delivering results, but integrity is also demonstrated when you do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to fix something for someone or research something or follow up on their behalf and you do it, you're acting with integrity. If you don't, you're letting them down and you're not really acting in alignment with your word. What that means to the people you work with is that they can trust that you're going to be true to what you say. When you do what you say you're going to do and you act in alignment with your values and beliefs, people come to know what to expect from you and that allows them to trust you and your word. So if you want to develop your level of integrity, I think the first thing that you need to do is get really clear on what your values and your principles are, as well as the values and principles of the organization. And then whenever an opportunity arises to live in accordance with that or to act in accordance with that, do it. Over time, people will start to see that you are so-and-so. They know what to expect from you and you live in alignment with your values and your principles. The second behavior that helps build trust is building your capabilities. Let's be honest here, we all have something to learn. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an educator. I have been in the HR game for over 20 years and I learn new things about HR all the time. So this one applies to all of us all the time, but it's particularly important if you're an emerging HR professional or if you're new to an organization or a team. One of the things I tell all my classes towards the end of the semester is that getting your first HR job can be really challenging, mostly because organizations usually want you to have some experience before they start letting you muck around with their people. It often has to do with risk and the fact that a lot of HR departments are quite lean, so there aren't a ton of opportunities for coaching and training others. Just know that it's normal for it to be tough to get the first one that gives you some experience. But when you do or while you're waiting, one thing you can be heavily investing in is your learning. You do not graduate from an HR program in Canada and have all the HR knowledge and capabilities and skills that you're going to need to effectively advise leaders. So when you get that first role, you need to be constantly learning. As I said, this also applies when you're new to an organization or you have a new manager or team to support. I believe the first order of business whenever you're the new person is to learn as much as you can about what they do, how they do it, and what their priorities and pain points are. You want to know as much as you can. Nothing will erode trust more quickly than someone coming into their house, knowing nothing about them, and suddenly telling them what they need to or should be doing. I'm sorry, but you haven't earned that right yet. It would be like you meeting me today, coming over to my house, and telling me how to parent my kids or cook in my kitchen. You just don't do that. Mind you, there's days where I wish someone would take over the parenting reins, but I digress, and I love my kids. The same applies to working with managers and leaders. You need to build your capabilities by understanding things first, and once you do know, What some of the pain points are, you're going to want to learn as much as you can about possible solutions or approaches. How do you do that? Well, you have a network. Call someone who knows more than you. You potentially have colleagues where you're working or in your HR department. Ask them for some guidance on how similar situations have been handled in the past, or how they would approach the situation or that particular manager. You also have an association with resources. You can check those out. And you have this wonderful tool called the internet that gives you access to online courses, workshops, webinars, books, experts, etc. The more you learn and understand, the more you can help and guide. And when your manager hears this from you, hey, I'm not sure of the best way to handle that right now, but I'll do some research and I'll get back to you. When you do that, they're going to see that Number one, you're there to help. Number two, you're not going to punch above your weight class and lead them astray. And number three, that you're resourceful and quite capable. And really, what else could they possibly ask for? Being capable also goes beyond your knowledge and ability to provide great guidance and create the right programs and resources. It also means that you're able to perform essential tasks or duties, such as leading meetings Conducting investigations into employee conduct, interviewing job candidates and screening resumes, writing job descriptions and processes, assisting with conflict resolution, and having difficult conversations. Not to overwhelm you here, but there's a heck of a lot. Another way you can build your capabilities is to learn and practice how to perform these essential tasks. Be willing to say yes when someone needs help with any of these types of functions. You can ask if you can sit in and observe in employee meetings and interviews. And definitely be the first to put up your hand when a job description or a policy needs revising. Most of the time, this is work that more experienced professionals in your organization have done a million times, and they would probably love to have you take the reins and and try it out. Then the most important thing you can do when you take on these tasks or try them out is ask someone more experienced than you for feedback. The more you build up your capabilities and knowledge, the more confidence and trust your client groups will have in your advice. But if you wing it and give advice that is ill-informed or that you don't have the knowledge to back up and something goes wrong, you will be depleting trust and possibly putting your performance in jeopardy, as well as your standing with your HR association. No advice is ever perfect. And in HR, we often don't have all the information we need. But by focusing on learning as much as you can and building up your capabilities, you will gain confidence and knowledge over time. And that's going to build trust in all your work relationships. The third way to build trust is by showing respect. Respect in the workplace is such a critical behavior, not just for HR professionals or new people, but for everyone. It's so important that we are now mandated by law to have a respectful workplace or anti-bullying and harassment policy in all organizations. In the context of trust, I'm talking about more than just not bullying people, which should be a given, though sadly still continues not to be. Definitely a conversation for another day. In any case, when I talk about respect in this context, I'm talking about showing care and concern and seeing everyone in the workplace as a person of value. The person who takes out the trash and cleans your office, the candidate who's being interviewed, your coworker, your customers or clients, and the employees and managers that you support. Respect can be shown in both big and little ways and it's often those little ways that make the most difference. This might be listening to a coworker's story or letting them vent when they're frustrated. Letting the candidate know that their shirt is untucked before they go into an interview and doing what you can to help them relax so they're not so nervous. It can be finishing the filing when you have time, even though it's technically not your job. Saying good morning to the CEO in the coffee area and asking how their weekend was. Remembering people's names, and if it's hard for you to remember them, which sometimes I struggle with that, write them down. Learning to pronounce people's names is another way to demonstrate respect, and it's one that I work on with my students every semester. Names are super important to people, and acknowledging and appreciating people who help you out also goes a really long way. Publicly or privately, giving thanks is huge. When you're showing respect to the managers you work with, it shows that you recognize that your role is to help them and that you're not making it about you. Some of the ways I believe that you can demonstrate that respect is to do a lot more listening than talking. Getting to know them on a personal level if they seem open to that, but of course, not too personally, if you know what I mean. Use their name and don't shorten it unless they've introduced themselves that way or have told you it's okay, My name was shortened to Mel all through school, and I did not like it. Now, pretty much the only people who call me Mel are my closest friends and my family. And when people who don't know me well call me Mel, it's jarring for me, because in some ways it just feels a bit disrespectful, especially if I've introduced myself as Melanie. I think the language you use around managers and leaders also demonstrates respect. Swearing has become very commonplace these days, but I believe you have to know your audience, especially in a professional setting. Even if the manager you support and their team members swear, that doesn't mean you should kick off your new relationship with a big F-bomb. You're not part of their team yet, and you haven't really earned team member status. This also goes with oversharing. Yes, Get to know people, show them you're human. I think we definitely need to do more of that in HR, but you don't wanna start a new professional relationship with stories about your troubles at home or how you drank too much wine with your friends last weekend. Not that you would of course, but again, know your audience. Oversharing is super awkward for those on the receiving end of it. And this can erode their trust in your ability to communicate with their team members and use good judgment. I believe you also build trust in your organization by treating it with respect. You might find it strange that I even have to say this, but please clean up after yourself. I cannot believe how disrespectful grown-up professionals can be in a shared kitchen space. At one place I worked, there were multiple coffee stations with dishwashers, a fridge, and a small counter, and it was always stacked with dirty dishes – It was like the seven dwarves worked there and they were waiting for Snow White to come home and clean up their mess. I honestly couldn't believe it. I'm guessing these people probably don't act like this in their home, or at least most of them don't. But I believe it's a sign of disrespect to ask your co-workers to bear the fallout of it. Just clean up your own messes. These, of course, are little things, as I said, but they do make a big difference. One of the most important ways I believe you can show your respect, and it's kind of a big deal, is by giving credit where credit is due. If someone helps you with something, advises you on something, or prepares something for you, give them credit. For example, if you meet with your hiring manager and let's say you're recruiting for a position and you bring them this great package with interview questions and resumes in advance of your interviews, and it was actually the HR assistant who prepared it, when they marvel at your handiwork and preparedness, be sure to let them know who did it for them. As someone who has had more senior people take credit for their hard work and ideas with absolutely no thanks or credit given, Nothing erodes trust more than seeing someone get appreciation or recognition for someone else's work. You may not always get thanked for what you do, and that's okay, and you need to be okay with that. But whenever the opportunity arises to give someone else credit, especially someone in an assisting role, be the person that does. When a manager or leader sees you doing this, it's going to go a long way to them extending respect your way. And there's nothing better for trust than mutual respect. Truly, it's a win-win. I believe this quote, which no one has been given credit for, sums up this behavior perfectly. You can judge a person's character by the way he treats people who can't help him or hurt him. Be that person with good character and show respect and care for all the people around you. The fourth and probably the most important way in my mind that you build trust is by being consistent. Consistency is closely related to integrity in that it allows the people you support to know what they can expect of you and whether or not they can depend on you. When someone lacks consistency, they're all over the map. One day they're happy, helpful, and supportive. The next day they don't return your calls and answer with one word text messages. Two weeks in a row, they show up for the management meeting. The third week, they completely blow it off with no explanation. I call it the roller coaster. And although the roller coaster is my favorite thing to experience at an amusement park, roller coasters in relationships can be emotionally draining and they erode trust very quickly. Now I fully realize that people have a lot going on in their lives and that can sometimes impact their ability to show up be present, and act in a certain way. And in these situations, we need to recognize when someone's behavior has changed from their normal way of being and offer support and guidance for them to get the help they need. Reach out, acknowledge the change in their behavior, and offer help and support. It's also a sign of respect for people to recognize when they might be acting differently. It makes people feel seen. Now, they may not take your support or want to talk, but I still think showing that level of care can make a huge difference for people. But when I'm talking to you as a newer HR professional being consistent, I'm talking about you showing up in a consistent way for the people you support. For example, if you start working with a new manager and you provide a service that might be considered value added or even an expected part of your role and you do it once, make sure you do it every time. For example, let's say you offer to pre-screen applicants for a job competition and you provide the manager with this great summary of the qualified applicants to help them save time. I'm guessing if you did that, they probably really appreciated it. So make sure you do it every time they have a job competition. If you have a weekly meeting with that manager scheduled on Tuesday and you meet consistently on Tuesday for say three weeks in a row, the manager gets used to this. They save up their questions for Tuesday, they tell their team, I can let you know about that after my meeting on Tuesday, and then after three weeks of that, you keep bumping their meeting for other priorities or you blow it off. Now you're not being consistent or respectful in my mind. Yes, sometimes we need to change the day of things, but discuss it with them. I always had regular meetings with my client groups when I was in a generalist role, And they came to expect that we would have these weekly conversations and that this was their time dedicated to solving their issues or planning for what was coming ahead. Sometimes they were canceled, but that was the exception to the rule. And it showed them that they could depend on me being there for them each and every week. You've seen this in your personal life. You meet a new person, you become fast friends, you love hanging out, they text you every day and then poof. They disappear or their tone changes or they start making excuses. And you start to wonder, did I do something wrong? Are they okay? You may even ask and they may not respond. Then a week later, they're back at it, messaging you every day back to their normal self until one day, poof, it happens again. Giving your managers consistent behavior and keeping your commitments or communicating when you can't shows them that they can depend on you. And that builds trust. Whatever you do, don't be a roller coaster ride. Okay, the fifth and final behavior that builds trust is to deliver results. In many ways, this encompasses all the other behaviors. When you deliver results to the people you support, you are well on your way to building not only their trust in your abilities and advice, but you also build your own confidence. Managers are very outcome-driven in most situations. They have goals that they've committed to, and your job is to help them deliver on those goals by making sure they have the right people who are working in alignment with them. Those managers will have set expectations with their team and will hold them accountable to those expectations. You can do the same thing with the people you support. Begin by setting expectations with them. What type of support do they need from you? Every manager is a little bit different. How can you make the biggest impact for them? How will you provide the support? Or how often will you meet? Once you have a chance to get to know the manager and the department and their goals, you should really sit down and discuss expectations in your relationship. I really love this quote by Blaine Lee. It says, Almost all conflict is a result of violated expectations. It's so true, and you know you have experienced that in your personal or family relationships, but it applies at work too. The most important part of that quote is that you need to actually know what those expectations are first. Violating expectations is a heck of a lot easier if you have differing views of what they are. You need to be on the same page. And if you're part of a larger HR team and you're new to the profession or your role, you're probably going to have to validate those expectations with your HR manager or director. You want to make sure that you're setting realistic expectations and that they're in alignment with the purpose and strategy of your department. But once you're clear on that, sitting down and having this conversation with the managers you support about what they can expect from you allows you to deliver clear results. Now, what happens when you can't? Well, trust is a gain easily eroded when we're not acting in integrity. So be upfront about it when you're not going to be able to deliver. Don't hope that they're not gonna notice you missed the deadline or didn't deliver what was expected. Be true to your word. Communicate as far in advance as possible that things have shifted. And above all, don't make excuses or throw someone under the bus. Chances are they will find out later that it was all on you and cha-ching, another withdrawal from your trust bank is made. One of the cool things about expectations and deadline is that in many cases, they can be renegotiated. And yes, sometimes things happen that are beyond your control. But whatever it is, be honest about it. And if you can't deliver, have a conversation and make sure you tell the person you're supporting what you can deliver and by when. But take these commitments seriously and do what you can to get results. When they see that you deliver what you said you would, it will automatically let them know that they can trust you to do that next time. Be consistent in your delivery and you're well on your way to having a manager that not only calls you for advice, but listens to you and acts on it. One of the things we face as HR professionals is this idea that we're some kind of roadblock for managers. And in some organizations, the HR team can be, depending on their philosophy and the organization. This is part of the reason why I do what I do. It's to change that perception. But HR professionals like yourself also need to be part of the solution by building trust and collaborative relationships with managers that are focused on what they need, not what the HR professional feels like doing or not doing. If you can be committed to building trust with leaders, understanding the organization, and delivering those results, you will be part of shifting that perception and securing yourself as a valued resource in helping the organization be successful. Okay, let's summarize. My five trust building behaviors are number one, act with integrity, number two, build your capabilities, number three, Demonstrate respect. Number four, be consistent. And number five, deliver results. If you desire to have a successful, fulfilling career in this profession and you want to be respected and appreciated for the incredible value that you can provide an organization, I really encourage you to consider the ways that you can build trust. It will not only make you feel more confident in your role, but it's going to make you a heck of a lot happier at work. To help you do this, I have created a quick worksheet that will help you set weekly goals for your trust-building behaviors. You can find it on my website in the show notes for this episode, www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash episode 16. Speaking of trust and consistency, I hope that you have enjoyed listening to this podcast each and every week. It Has truly been incredibly meaningful to share my thoughts and my knowledge through this format and to get all of your feedback. I wasn't sure when I started this exactly how it would go, and the love and appreciation have been beyond my expectations. So thank you. I also want to manage your expectations and let you know that season one is going to come to a close very soon. In fact, after the 20th episode. That means four more episodes before this busy woman is going to give her voice a break and focus on seeing my classes through the latter part of the semester, which includes some big group projects, exams, and a whole lot of marking on my part. As a thank you to all of you for being consistent and listening each and every week, the last episode, possibly two, are going to be full of Q&A. I'll be putting out a call for questions to my email list and on social media starting next week. So if you have a question that you want answered, be sure to get in on that. You can ask me anything, questions about HR, job seeking, or anything you've wondered about me, as long as it's not too personal. I'm also excited to announce that I'm going to be delivering one of my signature workshops in a live online session in early November, so watch for that. Courageous Conversations is all about helping you develop the skills and a process to give feedback and help resolve conflict in your organization. It's a very practical, hands-on workshop that won't just be a bunch of theory you can't apply. It's going to be tailored to HR professionals, and you'll walk away with some practical steps you can take the next time you have to have a courageous conversation. You're definitely going to want to keep an eye out for that. If you love this podcast, please make sure you're subscribed. And if you have a comment to share, feel free to reach out to me directly or drop a note on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. As always, thank you so much for listening and for being here. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Bye for now.